What I actually want to talk about mostly is the way in which these people organize themselves in ways that seem, I think, antagonistic to the state, right? But mm-hmm. I want to talk about the way in which they're actually, the, the, in which the, the sort of the, the common sense view is that these guys are right-wing wingnuts and there are non-wingnut right-wingers and that it's possible for the conservative movement to become less wingnut if the non-wingnuts would simply denounce the wingnuts. And secondly, that this is a very top-down view that suggests that, well, when Boris Johnson said in the dispatch box that, like, Starmer was soft on Savile, that this was taken as a kind of permission for the rest of the... um you know, what are considered to be the hoi polloi by the journalists who are actually often like business owners or whatever, Hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to then like, you know, um, protest him more vigorously, use this, use this against him and so on and so on. Right. It's a very Westminster centric columnist view and you see it coming up again and again and again. Uh, and Annie, I wanted to know if you could, we've talked about like the difference between this and sort of what we tend to think. I wanted to know what you could, how you respond to this top down view. Yeah. I mean, so it was a kind of difficult, difficult thing to approach, I guess, as a researcher when Starmer was harassed by people shouting, among other things, paedophile protector at him. Because, I mean, lots of people were saying, you know, <laughs> yeah, these people are doing, are doing Johnson's bidding. Uh, you know, this all happened because of Johnson. And, you know, on a factual level, that's kind of not true. Like, they were there outside Parliament they were, you know, any politician that they recognized that they ran into, they would have harassed and probably shouted very similar things. I've been at rallies where they've shouted those things about Matt Hancock, for example. Not like, a boy. You know, it's, it's really, <laughs> it's really non-discriminate in that sense. Having said that, you know, I still certainly think that they were emboldened by the fact that this had this kind of meme of theirs, essentially, uh, which had, you know, up until then been kind of uh, relegated to a very select part of the network. Um, And uh, the fact it had reached the halls of parliament was very exciting to them, very buoyed up by that. Having said that, you know, I really do think they probably would have shouted that at Starmer anyway. Mm. Um, (laughs) So I don't really see it as a kind of top-down, Boris says something and, you know, they... Um, you know, all go and, uh, yeah, then go and kind of harass whoever he he tells them to. Um, I think it's kind of much more complicated than that Um, because I I sort of see kind of memes like this kind of circulating essentially kind of on a sort of never-ending network. Um, So I think the first place that the Starmer Savile thing first came up was Guido Fawkes. Um, Hey, whoa, I'm Paul Steens <laughs> over here. So, one of one of our favorite components in this sort of like system that allows uh, you know things to move from uh, far right telegram groups into the national press. Yeah, but it's almost like it came up on Guido Fawkes and it moved both ways at once. Ah. It moved to the telegram groups and it clearly moved to Boris Johnson's circle. Do you know? It's so fucking like, British, right, that like a key component <laughs> in our sort of media ecosystem is one guy with a blog and whatever like 
scum uh, hangers-on he manages to like inveigle into running his blog for him. Yeah, but it, it, it sort of seemed like, you know, it's not as if Johnson's in those Telegram groups. It's not as if those Telegram groups are like, you know, listening as to Johnson to, uh, to, you know, tell them what to do next. It was kind of almost sort of more simultaneous than that. It came from one place and moved into both directions. Mm. I'm sure if Hussein was here, he would, you know, have a good answer about how this proves everything is posting. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think what I want to sort of what I want to drive at here as well, right, is that Fortunately, we've got Hussein's clone on the line. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> hi. <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, I think what I want to sort of drive at here, right, is that these people who are is is that there there is this belief number one uh, that seems to be promulgated by like tech against terrorism or whatever these many official forums that sort of say well this is a problem of top down legitimation which I think sort of belie and sort of um sort of misses a lot of the complexity here but mm. also there's another liberal assumption right and it's one that we've alluded to before as well which is that. Well, that it's a sort of corollary of the top-down thesis, which is that well, now Johnson needs to denounce this, or yeah, alternately, yeah, it, or it's alternately, like, it's like top-down yeah. but in a different way. It's like yeah. w- what but, Boris says impacts on these people so much that like he must either like legitimize this or delegitimize this by his actions, and he always but, has the power to do that. But there's a, the other the other element of that, right? Is that it has an assumption about the conservative movement, and again, mm. this kind of goes back to what we were talking about about understanding the nature of conservatism, understanding it as a movement, which is that there is a good conservative movement and a bad conservative movement. Mm. The good conservative movement is made of whatever group of high profile politicians and columnists uh, are against whatever the bad conservatives uh, have sort of latched onto. And again, I think this is a very um, this is I, I think a very naive. Uh, point of view, I think that it sort of misses the point that right for um, for America for Republicans in the states throughout the latter half of the 20th century, they needed the Birchers. That also misses the point that like for the Tory Party now, like where do you think the energy is on the right? Yeah, it's here. Yeah, well, I mean, there's I think there's something we can get into more here, which is that like we mentioned this a bit with Phil, uh, 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 like earlier that like the conservative party is sort of like self-limiting in terms of like where its people are right that like its base is getting older and older and so if you look at like conservative youth groups right they've they've always uh sort of like mostly been used as a kind of like recruiting ground for the sort of 19 year old who carries a briefcase to school and wants nothing more than to grow up into a into like a corner office to order some bombings right that that's still there that like think tank Parliament pipeline is still there, obviously. But what you also have are the kind of pe- the the other kind of people who want to be uh, a, a sort of a young conservative who are uh, you know people who played too many paradox games and are now weird kinds of fascists that we don't even recognize anymore, like Francoists. <laughs> and but I guess what what I want to sort of drive at, what I want to sort of throw back to you, Annie, right? Is is it profitable? To see these people who see themselves as deputized by the sort of enervations they get from like the either the most a lot of the time the Tory press or Guido Fox or uh, the sort of conservative like Fox News in America. Right. As rather than a fringe part of the right wing political machine that it ought to discard, they're actually sort of in a way at the core of the conservative movement. Would you you say there's any sort of truth to that? Yeah. I mean, this. So just to be clear, the kind of people that. 
I'm talking about here, which is the kind of uh, the anti-lockdown activists who kind of uh, harassed Starmer. Um, you know, I do, did originally think that when they first came onto the scene that, you know, they were kind of a weird mix of tendencies um, and political tendencies, I mean. Um, I kind of struggled to sort of say that they were entirely far right because even though there were many far right people there, the, interestingly, the far right didn't actually initially know whether to be pro or anti lockdown. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I actually saw loads of kind of, uh, you know, neo fascist uh, groups um, start off being pro lockdown, I think, because they thought it might. Um, kind of result in closing the borders, you know, this kind of uh, sort of isolationist tendency, protectionist tendency. Um, and then they very quickly switched, essentially, because they saw that there was an energy in the anti-lockdown movement um, and they essentially wanted to harness that. Now, this was back in the beginning of lockdown. So this is March 2020 when this happened. Obviously, the movement has really changed since then. It's hardened, it's become more radical, and it's moved further to the right. Um, and I would argue that this is actually exactly what the far right always intended, you know, when they kind of made that decision from, yeah, so uh, groups like Patriotic Alternative and things like that, moving from being cautiously pro-lockdown to a very, very anti-lockdown very quickly. Um, they essentially saw a pool of recruits, you know, mm. um, and they, you know, uh, both managed to, I think, uh, convert people to a kind of far right conspiracist style thinking, um, but also simply people who were really pissed off at lockdown, but really not into the far right politics um, of whom there were many. Most of them left the movement when lockdown stopped, you know. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, you, ha you have um, to you have to get people who are like on that level of unreality mm, where you can be like yeah. with a straight face. Oh, the president's not the real president. Everyone knows that. Yeah, where to be yeah. like, yeah, lockdown is still happening. Yeah, where? yeah. Where? I've, had, well, I've had enough of these fair weather anti-lockdown <laughs> protesters who stop protesting when the lockdown ends. No, no, no. None of those cunts. I want the people who will always protest a lockdown, yeah, even when there isn't one. Yeah, will be protesting about die. lockdown in 10 years' time when, yeah, we yeah. haven't had lockdown for that long.